the Fertility Podcast is here to help you understand more about your fertility and for the last eight years has published a lot of conversations with experts and people sharing their stories. It's now going back to its roots, giving you people's lived experiences once again to give you comfort in knowing there's a community of people who get it so you find commonality, be inspired and know you're not alone. Started by me, Natalie Silverman, a former patient, once I was pregnant after fertility treatment, I later joined forces with Kate Davis, an independent fertility nurse consultant, who is now your host. And here she is. Hello. So we're back with what is the final episode of 2023. I don't know about you, but we had snow yesterday, Um, so it started to look a little bit Christmassy, actually, and where are we now? We are the 4th of December uh, when I'm recording this, so yeah, it was quite nice. Went for a lovely snowy walk. Um, However, today, complete change, pouring a rain, all the snow was gone, so that's a little bit disappointing. So I'm really aware that this time of year is difficult when you're trying to conceive. Um, It's potentially another Christmas where you don't have a baby in your home and perhaps last Christmas you very much hoped that this Christmas would be different. So I just want to know that we're all thinking of you. We know this is tough time and I hope that you can do what you want to do this Christmas. If it means that you close the doors and you just stay with the two of you then that's what you need to do to get through. Try not to feel that you have to do all the celebratory stuff if you don't really feel like doing it. Um, It is your choice and it is your Christmas. It's often hard to say no to family and friends, isn't it? But you can have it your way and do it your way if that's what you want and if that's what you need to get you through. But I think know that you're not alone. There are many people feeling just like you this Christmas. And I just hope that you can take a little bit of time just for you. I just hope that you can use this time to rest, recharge and come back fighting in January. But I can't believe it's the end of 2023. Where has this year gone? And it's been a year of some really good podcast episodes. I've really enjoyed this year. Um, And I guess my first experiences of hosting the podcast solo, which has been an interesting journey. Um, I'm very grateful to Natalie for allowing me to take over the podcast, something she started nine years ago and is very, very dear to her heart. So thank you, Nat, for trusting in me. I really appreciate it. And I do hope that I'm doing you proud. Um, Also, I want to say a big thank you to Ella, who is my intern, who without Ella, this podcast wouldn't be possible because she is an absolute whiz at doing all the editing, getting the podcast published. So I'm so grateful for all the hard work that Ella puts in. And I'm so grateful for all the work that Natalie does as executive producer behind the scenes. So thank you to the team for all being here and being able to produce this podcast with me. So 
As I mentioned, it's the last one of the year and we're going to be back in January with our whole new series and some great episodes. I've already been busy recording, so we've got lots of episodes coming. And this episode is actually about some of the barriers or one of the barriers that you might face when accessing treatment. And this is covering what it's like to access treatment in rural areas. And I'm joined by a lovely lady called Morven, who you're going to hear from in a moment, who lives in Scotland. So she really, for her personally, she has experience of the difficulties in accessing treatment. Um, But also she sees it from a professional point of view, because like me, she's a fellow nurse. So she's going to be giving her insight to it. But when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know what? It's not just Scotland. It can be in so many different parts of the UK where we can experience experience difficulties in accessing treatment. Now, as an example, I live in Stamford in very South Lincolnshire on the borders of Peterborough and Cambridgeshire and Rutland. And there isn't a huge amount of choice of fertility clinics here. So there's a, it involves a lot of traveling, at least at least an hour um, to access a fertility clinic. And as you'll hear from Morven in Scotland, it's a lot, lot longer than that. But there are other places, I think, across the UK that will experience exactly the same. And this is just one barrier. And there are so many other barriers to accessing treatment, whether it be financial, uh, choice of treatments, so many different aspects and that's private and we absolutely know that NHS you've got the other barriers as well from BMI, previous children one of you or your partner may have. There are so many barriers to accessing treatment but I just thought it would be really interesting to talk about accessing treatment in rural areas because it's probably a barrier that whilst is there we don't necessarily think about quite so much or we will make allowances for and we will travel huge distances and you're going to hear from Morven in that it's not just fertility treatment it's to access other things that you might want to do as part of your strategy for looking after yourself during fertility treatment. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Do let me know if this also affects you because it'd be interesting to hear so you can always email me on kate at your or you can send me a dm on instagram at your fertility nurse so look forward to hearing from you and let's bring morven in hi morven welcome to the fertility podcast hi thank you so much for having me well it's great to have you here now morven is actually a fellow nurse i first came across morven quite a few years ago when I saw her as a patient and that was quite a while ago more than wasn't it now yeah it was yeah it was that would probably been about I think that was probably about five or six years ago actually yeah. think about it and yeah. since then you've got your two lovely boys I which do is... yeah I do yeah yeah I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old now so yeah, yeah. lots changed lots changed yeah yeah so busy woman yeah. and your background is you work as an NHS nurse in oncology yeah. which I've had a little bit of experience of gynae oncology. I know you do gynae oncology as well. And it was certainly something, an area that I found incredibly rewarding working in. And if you don't know what oncology is, then oncology is uh, cancer nursing. And it's a great area to work in. In fact, I don't know about you, 
but yesterday I watched the Deborah James, in her own yeah. words, Bow Babe documentary. Babe. I don't know yeah, if you've seen yeah, that yet. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the documentary, but I can tell you that we've had so many patients because within my within my work as an oncology nurse, I'm a, what gets called a systemic anti-cancer therapy nurse. So I'm a chemotherapy and immunotherapy uh, nurse administrator as well. So we um, we treat the patients, and I've had so many patients who've come our way either through clinic or through treatment who have come as a result of Bow Babe and have have really. Yeah yeah have found her work to be really the turning point for them in getting a diagnosis so her work transcends everything she ever thought it would 100 percent. absolutely i think the they were saying that bowel cancer is now the most diagnosed mm. cancer of all which is fantastic because mm-hmm. obviously it, it can be can be so tricky but anyway we're not here to talk about mm. bowel cancer we're here to talk about fertility because that's yeah. what the Fertility Podcast is all about. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk more about what you're doing now, because you're still working oncology, but you're also doing other things. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But just for a bit of background, Morven is now an independent fertility nurse specialist. And like me, she's a fellow yoga teacher. So Morven and I have a lot in common, which is very nice. <laughs> but what we want to talk about is the difficulty in accessing fertility treatments in rural areas and as you can hear from Morvan's lovely voice Morvan lives in Scotland and in a very rural area of Scotland in Inverness and you had you really noticed that that was an issue didn't you for your fertility treatment the rurality of your location yeah definitely I think it probably was one of the one of the most challenging aspects of our treatment journey and yeah and other people I've spoken to as well who are up here really suffer with that we've got a, we've got a picture of the the highlands of Scotland when I was having treatment was served by um Rigma Hospital in Inverness had a fertility satellite clinic um from Aberdeen which was the main fertility clinic serving the north but it's since shut now so there is no there is no longer if I give you an idea of how that looks you're looking at a population of just under 500,000 estimated living in the highlands and islands of scotland with no fertility clinic service other than aberdeen so that's an area the size of belgium who at the Mm. kind of the lowest point being or not the lowest point but the most central point the most most kind of um populated point being the inverness area you're looking at it being a two and a half hour three hour drive to aberdeen so that's all your bloods all your scans everything and that's from and that's not the rural parts if you think you've got another two and a half three hours above me and then the western Isles as well so there's a really there's a huge area that's covered by not a lot of service. Yeah, and I I personally remember that when we were first married, we um, lived in Morayshire in northern Scotland, and I had my oldest Oliver in when we were living there, and he was actually born in Aberdeen, which was yeah two hours from where we live. Which you know that geography is is pretty difficult to navigate, and if you're having to do that during fertility treatments and for scans, it it's it's really difficult. And I mean, whilst we know that the unlike England, uh, Scotland doesn't have the postcode lottery. So you are entitled to three rounds of IVF on the NHS, which is fantastic. But then what if you're not successful after that? What are your options? Well, that's it. And I think that's also that's also if you meet a certain criteria. So if you don't also meet the criteria, then it also, Mm. you know, you or, or if you or if you if you choose to want to go down a private route you know, the, the options are pretty limited. So in terms of private clinics, a, a really quick kind of search will show you we've got four is um, four main fertility centres, if you can call them that, 
in um, Aberdeen, Dundee, Edinburgh and Glasgow. So these are really central locations that, that are hours and hours and hours away from a, a huge percentage of the population or a percentage yeah. of the population in Scotland. Um, yeah. And so, and also accessing things like the kind of the alternative medicine side where you're looking at things like acupuncture. Again, the central belt being the most likely to have somebody you know that can give you that kind of service but when I was when I was trying to conceive we were looking at traveling well I traveled every week to and from Aberfeldy which is in Perthshire so I was a two-hour drive to get acupuncture every week down the A9 now I should point out as well to anyone who doesn't know the geography up here we haven't got motorways <laughs> we're talking you're talking no. single carriageway the A9 is not a motorway not, you know it is not a motorway yeah you're nodding um yeah, yeah so you're two hours down it's you know and then in all weathers you know the snow gate shutting etc etc it's a really tricky and that must add to the stress that you experience during your fertility journey if you're having to travel yeah yeah it does it does because you're there's I think I think even just the the fact that you're not really sure if you're going to make it in time <laughs> do you know what I mean like it, you don't know if the if there's going to be a line of arctic lorries in front of you on the main road or you know if you know um for for example the people up in Caithness um the women up in Caithness there's no there's no women's health clinic up in Caithness and the maternity services in Caithness are also cancelled there's a really there's a really scant issue up in Caithness and that's the very north of Scotland so kind of Thurso, mm. Wick, John O'Groats that area they're them coming down there's I think what two bridges anyway three bridges two bridges that shut with high winds so then you've got people coming down thinking are we even going to actually make it to an appointment because are they going to shut the road you know you you get some news or you get you know you feel particularly chilled out after an acupuncture session and then you're having to drive all the way back up again it does it does kill the vibe a little bit (laughs) yeah and and that reminds me of um a post I put on Instagram actually yesterday about some research that was US based but actually was completely appropriate for the UK mm. to looking at the disparity of women's health care comparatively to men's health care and how women are underdiagnosed and we know that that you know time to diagnose with PCOS endometriosis is years um, often and and it just makes me think there when you're talking about Caithness and the very rural areas what are your thoughts on kind of the parity of women's health care and do you feel that women are more disadvantaged in Scotland comparatively to their English compatriots? Yeah, incredibly so. But I would also say that men are too but from a different place. So I think women's okay. women's ability to access healthcare in Scotland, in certainly in rural Scotland and in the north of Scotland. And I know that when I say rural Scotland, I'm going to have people potentially living living in really rural Scotland listening to this thinking more people mm. live in the Burnett, settle down. You know, I have a Starbucks. Yeah, I think I think the you know the just the yeah the provision of it is still is still very very unfair. And I think one thing I I think we spoke about before you and I. Um, is the fact that although the care could be could be assessed as being equal, it is not equitable. So you cannot expect someone travelling all the way to Aberdeen to feel that they're accessing equitable care as somebody who's sitting in central Aberdeen. It's not, it's not, that's not, yeah, everyone's got access to it, but it doesn't take into consideration people's individual circumstances or their disabilities or their employment issues or their family care issues or you know whatever you know the financial aspect the expect you know the expectation that yes okay fine you can put in expenses to the NHS but you are expected to fund getting that transport yourself and with the cost of everything at the moment that's quite a that's quite an ask 
Um, I know we're focusing on Scotland because I, I definitely can see that Scotland has mm. the more difficulties. But obviously, there are other rural parts of the UK, Cornwall, for example, you have to travel Absolutely, a long way yeah. to get fertility health care, um, parts of Wales as well. So mm-hmm. there are other places. This might be a difficult question, but in your opinion, what do you think needs to change? Hmm. <laughs> With with mm. the NHS or with the world's view of women's healthcare, let's how big are we going here? Because I think I think it's a much bigger issue. I think we're looking at, mm. I think we're looking at the. I mean, we are starting to see obviously things change with menopause care becoming a priority for the NHS, but I mean not before time. So I think it's a really slow burn. I think it's a really slow burning issue where the more the more people are vocalising what they need and the more people that are there is a campaign group for example in case now you're having this argument with the government or having this open dialogue with the government the Scottish government at the moment um, and I know mm. that our current our new first minister Hamza Youssef has um, spoken to them about it in the past so hopefully that does kind of work for them um, but you know I think I think there does need to be a, a, a shift away from you know we've spoken about this before the, this paternalistic model of medicine where we think that you know well that's the doctors know best and that's just what's available and so we have to go up with it and I think that's I think yeah. that's really difficult to to sit with in a, in a society nowadays where women are being encouraged to be more vocal and more independent with their well-being yeah I think I think I think it needs to come from a legislation level I think you're right and I you know England's government brought out the women's health strategy in the summer mm-hmm. of last year and I'm kind of hopeful that that might drive change. But we've seen this before, haven't we? We've, we've seen various different papers from government and then nothing really happens as a result because yeah. there are so many challenges that mm-hmm. you have to overcome. Mm-hmm. But I think it's something that really needs to change. And I, I, I do believe that all this is driven by women having the ability to advocate for themselves better. And certainly one of the main reasons that patients come to me is for help and guidance on advocating so want to be able to understand what they need to ask for and then have the confidence to sit in front of the doctor which is difficult we've all been there it's difficult isn't it to kind of say Mm. this is what I need I need you to help me with this because you Mm. automatically go okay okay doctor okay doctor and it's it's getting over those barriers and and I think whilst we could have the women's health strategy and whilst the Scottish government might have their strategies, unless women feel confident to to drive for change themselves and to advocate for themselves, I don't think we're going to get anywhere. No, exactly. And I think I think as well in a in a rural aspect, you've got a situation where you know somebody might feel worried about rocking the boat with that clinic because it is their only choice. Mm. It's not that you can get another referral from another clinic that's half an hour, forty five minutes, an hour away that you can potentially in central London. It's not. You know, it's not, you know, you are in a situation where that fertility nurse you're speaking to or that consultant you're speaking to is the option. And so that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's difficult. Yeah. Because how do you get around that? And, you know, I do hear of ladies saying to me that they don't want to upset the doctor because they're worried that they won't then. This is awful, isn't it? They won't then receive the care that they're entitled to. Of course they will. I can't imagine any clinician would ever be behaved in that way. But that's real concerns that they 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 don't want to rock the boat. So we've talked about disparity among women's health and fertility in Scotland. And you mentioned there about there's also disparity you feel for men's health in Scotland. Tell me a bit more about that. 
Yeah, so I think the men's health is from a slightly different angle because I think what we see in men's health is the provision of care being available, but the men's ability to access it not being so readily picked up, if that makes sense. Um, and if you if you look at the fact that we've got a really quite a startling statistic in the north of Scotland around our male suicide rate, and particularly our young men, our male suicide rate, um, you it doesn't it doesn't take a genius to work out that that is you know, as a result of men just really not feeling supported and feeling part of any kind of community that they can reach out to for emotional um, and mental well-being support. So I think I think for us it's about partly about that, but I think also the fact that living in a living in a so we joke in the Highlands about how everything takes a little bit longer to get up here. And so I think I think we do still live in this model where the old fashioned kind of it's women's problem does very much still exist in the way we look at fertility and the uh, you know and then and then obviously of course we've then got the aspect of the fact that these men have got to travel to Aberdeenshire to provide a sperm sample as well you know and my husband's opinion or his experience his embodied experience of what we went through was they didn't look at him there wasn't any comment to him there wasn't nobody and I know that's the picture everywhere absolutely yeah but I think I think then if you've then if you've then got a population who are known to not engage with their well-being, I think younger men are definitely changing, but we see this on college kid as well. That you know, if we've got a population of men who are not engaging, there really has to be a move within that paternalistic model of medicine. That's a difficult one to say quickly, where you know there has to be a consideration from the clinician about the fact that actually, do I need to be supporting this man more? Do I need to be looking at actually does he need more support with that? Because certainly with patients and friends and family who I've known who've been through this and my husband's own experience there's not a lot of support for the men up here at all. Uh, and that's really sad and I, I'm wondering you know the fact that and I, I've said this before one good thing that has come out of Covid is we talk a lot more about mental health and, mm, and I think that's driven by the, the impact of, on mental health during the pandemic um, and we are talking so much more about mental health across the board and we're certainly talking more about men and fertility Mm. um which is fantastic and there, and there are so many great resources for supporting men and their fertility now and I'll put some links in the show notes for those because it's something that is an area I think that we all are all really concerned about and let's just hope that things start to change a bit in Scotland as well and that that, that, that like you say might take time but it that, that Scotland will replicate the support that we're seeing more and more for men and we're surrounding their fertility yeah, in England definitely. and let's hope that it's there yeah, I think I think I will. I think I'd be on that on that note as well. If you, I'll give you the the link to Mikey's line. So Mikey's line are a men a men's mental health charity up here, who Brilliant. do incredible Fantastic. work. Um, and so really, if anything I've said has touched a nerve, that service is there. That'd be brilliant. Lovely. Thank you. So. Thank you, Morvan, for chatting. But before I let you go, just tell us a little bit more about your new venture so that hopefully people can find you in Scotland yeah so if you are in Scotland or anywhere in the world because that's what Covid's done for us all isn't it is being able to access you know everybody everywhere all the time um is if you yeah I I exist under Wild Ray Fertility so I am set up as an independent fertility nurse specialist now where I am combining both that and my um, oncological and yoga background to be able to provide um, really embodied holistic support um, both clinically and alternatively 
for people and couples going through fertility struggles and this is something that is such a pinch me moment for me because it's what I needed at the time when we were going through what we needed and there was no support here so to now and I always said to my husband and I think I probably said to you eight years ago that you know I really want to I did if I did say to you eight years ago really want to set something up because people are suffering up here and there's nothing so it feels like such an honor and to be able to actually do this for people now um and also to provide you know a, a, a debriefing service is also what I've set up now where I'm, I'm able to work with people who need to unpick and resolve whether it be um, traumatic fertility events or actually traumatic birth events as well in the north of Scotland so um, we, we really are lacking that service up here as well and I think it's sometimes a tricky one talking about birth and fertility but I think when you're looking at the fact that the aim for people going through fertility is to to have a baby so you really want to be able to unpick every part of that to make sure that you're mind is in the best place so that when you do welcome that child into your life you can move into parenthood with a a a kind of a nice base that doesn't feel like it's holding you back brilliant well it sounds to me Morven, that you are leading the way in making sure that there's support for men and women in scotland so thank you so much for chatting on the podcast it's been lovely as always Um, and we'll make sure that we put all the links to you in the show notes so people can find you Thank you so much. Oh, that was just lovely talking to Morven. Do go and check her out on uh, Wild Ray Fertility, which you can find her on Instagram. She's got a lovely Instagram page, actually. It's beautiful. It puts me to shame. So go, go and check out all that she's doing and um, find out a bit more about her. If you're in Scotland or anywhere else, then, you know, fancy having a chat with her about your fertility, then do look her up. We kind of talked about the topics there that I'm really passionate about actually advocating for yourself, um, but also the disparity of fertility and women's healthcare across the UK and sadly across the world. And I really do hope that things will start to change, but we'll just have to wait and see. I will put some links in the show notes to the uh, links that we talked about. So the women's health strategy and some other bits and pieces for you to have a look at. So do check those out. So it leaves me now just to say that we wish you a restful festive period and we will be back in January with a brand new series with some super episodes. So we look forward to being back in your earlugs then. Take care for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fertility Podcast, which is brought to you by NatChat Productions. The music is composed by Parler. It's hosted by Kate Davis and the episodes are put together by Ella Woodhouse and exec produced by me, Natalie Silverman. Before you click onto your next podcast, we'd love it if you could either click on the star ratings or write a quick review as it's a brilliant way for others to know what you think. And even just hitting follow or subscribe really helps other people know it's worth a listen. Finally, just to say, you can follow the podcast on Insta at Fertility Poddy. Kate is at your fertility nurse. And if you'd like to book in a consultation with Kate to understand more about your fertility and reproductive health, just visit yourfertilityjourney.com.